You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. Today we continue a sermon series we began several weeks ago called Hidden Heroes. We've been finding ourselves in the back part of Colossians chapter 4, where Paul does this really interesting thing at the, at the end of this, uh, this letter to the church at Colossae, and he like, starts name dropping like eight or nine kind of different folks. Uh, some you may have heard of, like the person we're going to talk about today, you probably may have heard of if you've been in uh, church life, uh, and, and others that you would never have heard of. Um, but he does that, and, and many of these folks, for one way or another, certainly uh, emerge as hidden heroes. And so today we have an opportunity to talk about one of them um, who is actually, we might call him like an epic fail hero. So let me invite us kind of into that space a little bit. And as I'm thinking about that, I want you to think about, that's a heavy thing to ask you to think about, but anybody ever had what you might consider like an epic fail in your life in any way, shape, or form? Let me like throw my hand up first, like both of my hands up first. Anybody, anybody had that? There's some liars in this place today. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, like we all have had have had failures, right? That sometimes they have kind of different impacts. Sometimes they have different magnitude. Sometimes they seem relatively small and grow. Sometimes actually they seem huge in the very beginning. And then like as you kind of lean into them a little bit, well, um, I don't know, maybe it's just a gift of blessing that begins to minimize um, consequences and those kind of things. But we all experience, we all experience what we might call kind of epic fails from time to time where like the thing that we should have done, we didn't do or the thing that we shouldn't have done, we did do. Uh, I mean, we all have those. Uh, Like anybody that is in the room that is a parent, like can you acknowledge that there probably was a time when you might have had an epic fail parent moment? Anybody ever? Anybody ever experienced that? Just a simple example, but Kristen's over here and um, just acknowledging the fact that Cameron to this day says that he has this memory um, of being like five years old and being left at a gift shop in Cameron, Arizona on our on our um, cross-country, cross-country trip as a family. Um, Kristen and I acknowledge that we may have gotten to the parking lot and to the car without him, but we did not leave the premises of that place. <laughs> but, but in his mind, he was completely stranded, you know, halfway across the country by himself, where, by the way, the reason we didn't know that he was there was because he was hiding underneath a clothes rack. Uh, and it was one of those classic examples where I thought she had him and he thought that I had, you know, she, th- she thought I had him and I thought she had him. And well, you know how that goes, right? Uh, in sports, anybody ever played sports? Ever played sports? You ever have an epic fail sports moment? Yeah. Anybody got any like, if you're married, anybody got any like wedding day epic fail stories that you could share? 
Yeah, like, I don't know, like, I mean, we know this, right? Like, there are entire websites, there are entire shows that are devoted to, to epic fails. In fact, there are cases uh, and, and days where it almost seems like people's epic fails, like the worst moments of their lives, are lived out on a stage for all the world to see for all, all time that is to come. I mean, it's almost like we take pleasure in watching people's epic fails. Now, some of them can be remarkably funny, right? Like people falling off roofs and stuff. Like, once you know they're okay, it's funny, but, but I want you to think with me about like the epic fails that we encounter in life. And, and sometimes those, well, well, they aren't as funny, right? And, and so that's certainly the case for a man in the Bible that we know as Mark, also known actually as John Mark, quite frequently uh, called that. A uh, couple of places in the Bible just called John, but this is really John who's known as, as Mark. And, and we're going to get to his reference in Colossians 4 in just a moment. But, but I want to invite you to back up for just a minute. We're actually going to back up about eight books of the Bible. We're going to back up about 20 years. We're going to you know, go to the book of Acts and kind of find ourselves there. And the book of Acts is like the, the history book of the early church. And the kind of I call it the gospel of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit's kind of breaking out in some amazing ways. And so this is where um, the disciples and, and the early apostles uh, who encountered Jesus in all kinds of different ways begin to take uh, what they've learned in that relationship with Jesus, and they begin to literally share it to the ends of the earth. And so Mark finds himself in that place. He's been in the company of Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas is, in fact, his cousin. Um, uh, and so um, they're related by blood. Um, how closely related, I'm not really sure, but we all know that we live in the South, and that can be kind of a little dicey from time to time to figure some of that stuff out, right? Like, can I get an amen on that? Like, that's just true. Yeah, and so it looks like for all the world, like, like Mark is, like, he's the assistant, he's the armor bearer to these kind of two higher profile missionaries that are, um, well, they're known as, um, well, like, you know, kind of like Paul and uh, Peter and, and, and then Paul, and then you got kind of Paul and Barnabas. And so, like at this stage of the book of Acts and in the, in the journey of, of Paul, like the gospel spreading rapidly, the good news is going to the ends of the earth. The like leadership in the early church, as Acts tells it, it's kind of slowly transforming from Peter's leadership to, to Paul's leadership. And so there's some challenge and some transition and all of that. And, and about midway through the long journey, through the, the um, you know, kind of like um, Mediterranean world, well, well, after leaving the island of Cyprus, there are three of them that arrive back in the mainland of what today is Turkey, and it's a place called Pamphylia. Can you say that with me? Pamphylia. Isn't it cool to say? Can you say it again? Pamphylia. Doesn't that sound better than a curse word if you're somewhere this week and you, you stub your toe or something? Pamphylia. Like, you could get a lot of use out of that word. And so, like, look with me for just a second, if you will. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Thanks, uh, Caroline uh, and the SALT team have it queued up for us. And, and so, uh, then Paul and his companions, they, they set sail, right, from uh, Paphos, uh, Paphos and, uh, and they came to Perga in Pamphylia. You say that with me? Pamphylia, just because it's fun to say. And uh, John, however, left them and, and returned uh, to, to Jerusalem. Hang on. Like John, John Mark, like he leaves. He, he, he disappears. You know anything about the book of Acts? Like, this is like kind of, I don't know, like kind of in the, the early middle part of the book of Acts and Paul's missionary journeys and, and those kind of things. And, and, and he leaves. 
I mean, abandoned, walked away, gone AWOL. We can talk about that a lot of different ways. Why? We don't really know, actually. We have kind of the barest of hints. We could guess a little bit. We could guess that, well, they've just been on this really long missionary journey and and they've had some pretty rough terrain. And we could also guess that maybe he's like tired or sick or sick and tired. Uh, The mountains could have been really difficult to navigate. He could have had like frustration over the way that the gospel was received. Like some said yes to Jesus. But maybe many more said no, and that just really frustrated him. He didn't understand, and maybe he was having a bit of an identity crisis. Like maybe he was just homesick. Maybe he just like longed for Jerusalem. I mean, possibly the text has a little bit of a clue in it. Like if we look again, like like Paul and his companions. Ah, okay. So you remember like Peter, right? Peter, the one who like walks with Jesus, the one who's recruited, lives in Capernaum, ends up like kind of finding himself in very interesting space uh, a day or two before Jesus dies as he has promised that he wouldn't betray Jesus, but then, you know, kind of ends up denying him a couple of different times. And, um, you know, like Peter, that Peter has been the, the leader of the church ever since he encountered the, the resurrected Jesus and really felt like, you know, ever since he had encountered the resurrected Jesus that Jesus had told him to feed his lambs and and feed his sheep and had kind of reestablished that mission and ministry in him. And so, remember something about Peter, but in this particular moment, right, Paul, the one who was actually the, like, persecutor of Christians, has now become the primary proclaimer of Christ. Remarkable story uh, about, like, his life and, and his conversion and all of that, and he's gaining influence in the life of the church, and he's stepping up as, well, like, the primary leader, Acts tells us here. Luke, we believe, writes the book of Acts, and so he's telling us here, well, Paul and his companions, like, there's a leadership transition that has happened here. Is it possible that, that John Mark didn't like his new preacher? I, I mean, that's possible, right? Like, we, we get that. We know something about what that's like. Like, so rather than, like, minister in unfamiliar terrain with a leader that he didn't fully trust, like, John, who we call Mark, well, he bolted. Like, Pamphylia or bust, busted. And the going got tough, and, and, and well, he got gone. And, and we could talk about this as a bit of a fail in that, like, for one reason or another, he's, like, withdrawing from the mission. And, well, because it's in the pages of Scripture, it's been lived out for all of these generations on the world stage for all of these centuries, you know, raising all these kinds of questions. And, you know, well, I mean, whether you knew it or not, Pamphylia lives in biblical infamy. And yet, like, you know, like, we all have a Pamphylia, though, don't we? Like, let's let that not be rhetorical. We all have a Pamphylia, don't we? Yes. Yes. I mean, that place, that day, like that set of circumstances that led to to some kind of failure, man. Our, like our, you know, desertion or like for someone here, it, it might have been that it was a job that you had, that you loved, that somehow you just blew it, you lost it. Or maybe it was an athletic competition and you just choked because the pressure was ridiculous in that moment. Or maybe your pamphylia was the day that you quit a relationship that really mattered to you. Like some may have walked out. Others, you may have like quit the relationship, but you didn't tell the other person you were quitting the relationship. And that led 
led to a whole kind of drama and challenge and failure of its own. And, and at the time, it like seemed justified. And like, you know, but looking back, you'd kind of give anything to have kind of those moments back to be able to see them differently, to be able to live them differently, to encounter and experience them differently. And yet you don't have that opportunity. And, and it's frustrating and it's challenging. Isn't it isn't ironic that, that like Jesus... You know, Jesus is good news. It's like all about, it's all about redemption. I mean, if anybody should know how to like redeem an epic fail, it, it should be us, right? Like it should be. But, but most of us, like, like once we go to Pamphylia, unfortunately, like we stay in Pamphylia. No matter where else we may go, like our heart kind of stays there. Our spirit kind of stays there. And that means our spirit kind of stays broken open. And our heart stays, uh, well, kind of broken and not exactly allowing space and room for the Holy Spirit to do the kind of work that God longs to do, to be able to do, well, a bit of a, a healing and repair and repair mission. But, but something happened in, in John Mark's life in the aftermath of kind of this epic fail at, at Pamphylia. Like fast forward just a, a, just a few years. Like Paul and Barnabas are preparing for another missionary trip and they're trying to decide kind of who are going to be their guides. And well, Paul hasn't forgotten that Mark went AWOL. Barnabas, perhaps because of the family ties, well, well he's moved on from that. And so Acts 15, um, 36, right? It begins this way. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, well, like, come, let us return and visit the believers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord. And let's see how they're doing, right? Let's see how they're doing. Um, and so Barnabas, Barnabas wanted to take with them. Who did Barnabas want to take with them? Can you say that out loud? John called Mark. But Paul said, dude, have you lost your ever-loving mind? <laughs> that's my translation. That's actually not in the Bible, but it should be because that's what he was thinking and that's probably what he was saying. Paul decided not. Oh, hang on. If we can go back one more. Thanks. But Paul decided not to take with them one who had deserted them. And where had he deserted them? Pamphylia, thank you very much, you're with me, uh, and had not accompanied them into their work. See, like Paul's got this thing, like we might call it an elephant memory. You guys know what that's like? Where it, I mean, it doesn't forget very easily. It's not a bad thing. It just is, right? And Paul's like, man, are you kidding me? So um, yeah, next slide. So the disagreement became so sharp that they parted company. So Barnabas, right, took his cousin Mark with him, sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and they set out and the believers commending him to the grace of the Lord. That's like another way of maybe even saying like, like man, bless your heart, <laughs> which has all kinds of different meanings, right? Uh, and so we do have one more slide on that one. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, and only, only Luke is, oh, no, that's good. We'll hold on to that one just a second. So, like, you're getting a sense of the narrative. Like, you're getting a sense of the story as it's kind of, like, beginning to lay out. And it feels really important, not just that we're able to kind of appreciate what's happening here, but that we're able to begin to make some parallels to our own life, to our own story, to our own pamphylias, to our own um, kind of failures where we could have kind of stayed in those moments, where we could have lived our life as a response to those moments, or we 
could potentially allow room for the Holy Spirit to do this work that Jesus does so remarkably, which is this work of redemption, where God's able to somehow kind of meet us in Pamphylia and like kind of help take us to all new kinds of places, which sometimes is a bit of a painful journey. Like, like redemption is not always easy. If you like think that you could talk to Jesus and what the cross felt like, we get a sense of the fact that like sometimes there's some real pain and some real challenge and some real struggle that happens in redemption and in allowing reconciliation to actually be a part of our story. Sometimes that's a really challenging path and yet it's a remarkable it is a remarkable path. So like something has happened in, in John Mark's life. And there's this moment. There's this moment, right? And this could be a whole sermon series in and of itself. Where this personal failure, it becomes a community issue. It actually becomes a point of painful division. As it often does. Like we see that, you know, Paul and, Paul and Barnabas... I mean, they're like one of the great duos of, of, of history. And like this causes them in this moment to go their separate ways on a journey. I mean, you know, like Luke's kind of just given us the basics of what this is like. But if you get up underneath that, that, that was a really painful moment in the life of the early church. Now, what it did actually in a way is like allow double the impact. Because these are the kinds of things that God does out of epic fails that allow us to reclaim some sense of grace and mercy uh, in the midst of, of reconciliation and redemption. But that doesn't always look like what we want it to look like. And here we want Paul and Barnabas to get along. And in this moment, there's some very different ideas about, about who should go with them and, and, and what that should look like. Maybe, friends, you've been on both ends of that. Maybe you've been on both ends of that where your failure impacted more than you and it caused others to divide. Or more commonly, right, like, uh, like you as parents, like you have a division or a discord or even a separation of the best way to, to deal with, um, well, kind of an epic, you know, failure moment of your children or maybe kind of a parenting failure that you've had that you're trying to correct. I mean, these are the kinds of applications I'm inviting you to make as we all have kind of entryways into this part of the story. And if Acts 15 was the end of the story, then John called Mark and his impact on the early church, it would be a pretty sad thing. If his story stopped here, if his story stopped here, then the way that we talk about him and reflect about his legacy would be remarkably different. Except, like, remember Colossians and this letter that kind of got us into this mess, right? It's like 20 years later, like something major has eventually um, kind of happened and has kind of eventually kind of taken, taken off and taken space. And, and as we kind of just, you know, think about the opportunity to encounter um, that passage in Colossians chapter 4, where we have this notion of Paul is writing about these different hidden heroes that we're pulling out. And Paul specifically says to the church at Colossae, he says this, he says, by the way... By the way, if John Mark shows up, you better welcome him with all you've got. You better welcome him with all you've got. Right? If he comes to you, welcome him. Now, now hang on. This is, hang on. Time out. <laughs> this is the Paul that just refused to go on a missionary journey with him. So, Maybe God's done some work in Mark's life. God's done some work in Paul's life. They've, like, what 
what was in the moment didn't have to be the everlasting. Because where Jesus is present, there's always opportunities for resurrection. Like there's always opportunities for, for new life and for something that's been really bad to be something other than really bad when the good news of Jesus touches it or when the good news of Jesus like touches us. Can we, can we say it this way? It's almost like Paul is saying this, right? Like, uh, so this is like my translation of, of what Paul is actually saying here. Hey, by the way, I hope you'll welcome, you know, Mark. I hope you'll welcome John Mark. Like you've heard he was a deserter, but now he's a comforter. Like, you can trust him because his Pamphylia experience, it didn't define him. That's not where his heart stayed. It actually didn't define him. It refined him. It didn't define him. It refined him. And, and so, like, don't mistreat him. Don't mistrust him. Something has happened. And is it possible, is it possible that you can trust him and he's even more trustworthy now than he was before Pamphylia and that's like, that's the kind of trust I want to invite you to believe is possible, church at Colossae. Why? Because this is who our God is. This is the message we've been taking to the ends of the earth. And now I want you, the folks who have been taking it to the end of the earth, I want you to take this message to heart and to know that this good news is as relevant to you as the person that is hearing it and experiencing it for the very first time. And then Paul just like confirms that all over the place. Um, uh, we got a second Timothy chapter four, verse, verse 11 reference. Only Luke is with me, he says here, but get Mark and bring him with you for he is useful in my ministry. Can you guys read that with me? Those are words of redemption. Only Luke is with me, but get Mark and bring him with you for he is useful in my ministry. Because of Pamphylia, he's not thrown away. Because of Pamphylia, he's not like excluded from the mission. He, he may even have a different seat on the bus. He may even have a different role now. But there is a role for him because God's been doing some work in his life. And guess what? Because of what happened in Pamphylia, God's been doing some work in our heart and in our life as well. And, and just like there's one more scripture reference here that just kind of affirms it. This one from Peter, but it acknowledges uh, some of the same thing where Peter says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, he actually refers to Mark. He says, my son, Mark, intimate, familiar, mentor, mentee. Like something has happened. Like some several things like have begun to happen and well this epic fail has now been turned into some season of productivity because he's not stuck in Pamphylia and he is launched into faithfulness because he was open to God's work of reconciliation and redemption. Now how did that happen? How did that happen? Well, we have some clues on that as well, but just to be able to affirm, right? Like can we just like Paul and Peter, we just mentioned them a moment ago. Like, like knowing them and engaged by words that, that they use in the scripture, it seems like both in different ways spoke truth into, into John Mark's epic fail. Like knowing Paul, like he, like he no doubt put it out all out there on the table. He would set the record straight. Anybody have a truth teller in your life that they just lay the truth out there? Anybody ever have that in your life? You got a Paul. You need to thank God for them. 
I know in the moment you may not be thanking God for them, but you're going to pray over the words that they say and the way that they're able to speak truth into your life. It's, it's going to matter. It's going to be seeds of truth that are going to begin to grow. And, and that's profound and that's powerful. And friends, we, we need that. We long for that. Truth in love, yes, always. But, but truth. I mean, I mean, he just laid it out there. And, and as we think about that, right, what that, what that did is it allowed space for what, like it, like it was a change the punctuation kind of moment where this period had developed in Mark's life. This period, this hard stop had developed in Mark's life. Remember all Western Union telegrams? Like stop, like stop, stop. Like that's the place where Mark's life was in Pamphylia when he returned back to Jerusalem. But, but somehow, right, there was this opportunity to be able to change that period to a comma. Have you ever had that? Like somebody that, that called you out? And so what's interesting, right, is that that's a very different approach than what Peter would have done. Like Paul would bring the fire, but Peter bring the sunshine. You got sunshine people in your life? You need some sunshine people in your life. Why is sunshine important? Why is fire important? They both bring heat. They both bring heat. You need both. Friends, I'm really inviting you to think, do you have somebody that is a Paul in your life? Do you have somebody that's a Peter in your life? Because Mark did, and I believe it made all the difference in the world, friends. Mark had that. I mean, somehow in the midst of the failure, after the failure, he was, he was open to it. Sometimes we, we get a Paul and a Peter that's kind of wrapped up in one person. Like sometimes they can bring the fire and then the sunshine, or the sunshine and then the fire. Someone who will comfort, someone who will confront. I mean, that balance of truth and grace to, to get someone to kind of move beyond this, this epic fail that they're experiencing into what their life was meant to be about, which is this remarkably effective and faithful service that now this epic fail will be in service of their higher mission, their, their larger call. And I got to ask you, friends, who in that moment, who in those moments are you willing to allow their words in rather than just be defensive or run away or push away? Like, isn't that just a powerful sense of spiritual discernment to allow, like, a failure not to just stay a failure because you're willing to let some other perspectives in to begin to rebuild from that place, friends? And I want you to think about like the importance of having both of those functions in your life. That what Peter brings in the fire and what, what uh, I mean, what Paul brings in the fire and what Peter brings in the sunshine. I want you to think about that for a minute, if you will. Because I want you to think about those moments where you have just had the fire. And you end up, like spiritually speaking, you end up in the hospital treating third degree burns. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been in that space? I want you to also like think about the challenge of that because in that moment, then you can kind of get jaded, you can get kind of paralyzed in failure, you can get overwhelmed, you can begin to let shame slip in and that gets, that gets kind of challenging. But, but if you only have comfort, right? If you only have comfort, then well, you're likely to like, you know, just kind of move through this epic failure and just repeat that experience over and over again because there was never really any challenge or any consequences and like that doesn't do us any good. But are we self-aware enough to hear the hard word and the correction that's in it and the soft word and the comfort that's in it? Because the comfort that comes from the correction and the correction that's implied in the comfort make all the difference in John Mark's life about how he'll respond after Pamphylia. And like I'm hoping and praying, friends, that, that each and every one of us have like ears to hear 
and hearts that are willing to experience like this kind of, of challenging and, and yet beautiful and yet beautiful work. I uh, am just thinking about like a personal example. This is just the example that came to me. I come up with a lot of them, but uh, it's an example. I remember I was 22. I remember I was like, just had just started seminary. I was really new to this preacher thing. Uh, and so I like had been working at church since I was 19. I'd done a little bit of worship leadership, but mostly I'd just been to worship my whole life. And now I'm responsible for helping to lead worship. And well, I mean, sometimes that was good. Sometimes it was not very good. Like the time that I wore like brand new dress shoes that my dad had got me that were the coolest dress shoes ever, but I'd never had dress shoes like that and I didn't know you were supposed to scuff them up. And so I'm like helping the pastor give the benediction and my feet go out from under me and I'm like, yeah, like that kind of stuff, right? Like, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> like thank God services weren't streamed then. That's all I'm going to say about that. But, but I remember this moment. It was the first time in big church, in this church I was serving in Chapel Hill, first time in big church that I was responsible for the big prayer. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, the big prayer, and I'm pretty excited about it. And I'd done it a couple of times before in other services, and I'd kind of written it out because I wanted to be really prepared. But in this moment, I'm like, you know what? I need to, I need to trust the Holy Spirit. I need to let, let the Holy Spirit lead. And so I, I kind of ripped that up and, and had an opportunity to you know, say, let us pray and, and, and offer a prayer. And I thought it was like, I thought it was a prayer from the heart. I thought it was like really beautiful. And and the next day, I'm, I'm kind of talking with the pastor at the time. And he's like, hey, can I give you some feedback about your prayer? And, um, and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, man, I would love that. That would be great. And I'm in this moment, sure, he's going to tell me how great it was. But like, that's not what he was telling me. <laughs> that's just not what he was telling me at all. Um, well, anyway, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a little bit of Paul and a little bit of Peter all mixed into one. But, but what I remember him saying is, he said, Chris, he said, your mistake was you, you prayed that prayer like, like if you were whispering sweet nothings into Kristen's ear, that's how you prayed that prayer. That's, that's what he said to me. That's what he said to me. And I was so confused and it was just really not a great moment for me. And, and I'm just like, I romanced the prayer? Is that what you're telling me? I just, I'm still, you can tell I'm not over it yet. Okay, I'm... I clearly need Peter and Paul and, 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 you know, to do some work in me in this. But, but what I also remember, though, what I also remember, though, is just a couple hours later, running into the lay leader of the church, and, um, and I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up. He brought it up. And he's just like, Chris, I got to tell you, I was at that service yesterday, like, most loving, most amazing prayer I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> he said, you know what I loved about it? I said, I would love to know what you loved about it. And he said, you talk to God as if you were fully in love with God. That's what he said. <laughs> you talk to God as if you were fully in love with God. And you know what I needed that day? I needed the pastor to say, hey, by the way, most of us had no clue what to do with that. I needed that. And what I also needed is a lay leader to come in and say, you know what, that really meant something to me because it was different. And I, and I heard love in it. And I, and I experienced and I experienced love in it. And both could be right, right? And I needed both. And, I, and I'm just using that as an example of the fact that, like, you need, you need both as well. It's just so important, right, with who we surround ourselves with, who we're, like, willing to listen to, uh, when and how we get permission to speak into people's lives, and how we balance that confrontation with, with the comfort that, that allows us to be truthful in all that we say, and yet, and yet grace-filled but friends, can I remind you that the hero that's hiding within you best comes out 
when it is called out by other folks in the aftermath of the epic fails in your life, when you least want to hear what anybody else has to say, those are the moments, friends. Those are the moments when the hidden, hidden hero comes out. Why? Because, well, he or she is called out. And, and can I just close with this? Because it's just really important that you know this. Because I just want to come full circle. Because, like, something happened in in John Mark's life. And I want you to like remember how we talk about the fact that he didn't stay in Pamphylia. I know I've said that 20 times, but it feels really important. He didn't allow his failure to define him. And he, like, because he was willing to let that really difficult, painful experience become useful in, in ministry, somehow Peter's going to affirm his, him as a son and, and Paul's going to, like, in some way, in a way that Paul can do, kind of restore uh, his integrity and his humanity in the ministry that he's called to. And here's what we know from, from church history, that, that in the time that, that John Mark spent with Peter, he took notes and he heard stories and he internalized what the apostles were telling him. And that's why one of the four gospels bears an indelible imprint of Peter's story in Peter's perspective. Which one? Well, do you know which one it is? It's the gospel of what? It's the gospel of Mark. <laughs> like he goes from one who abandons to one who proclaims. He goes from deserter to author. He goes from AWOL to MVP of telling the Jesus story in a way that only he could. And best of all, like when you hear the name Mark, you're not thinking about Pamphylia. But because of the work that the Holy Spirit did in John Mark's life, you're thinking about the fact that he can proclaim the good news because he did. And there's something of what he encountered and what he did and seeds that he helped plant that actually are growing a harvest in the church to this very day. And my question, friends, and my statement, friends, and my, my opportunity, the opportunity that I want to offer you, the invitation that I want to offer you, is that if God can do that in him, imagine what God can do with the epic fails that you and I have that we offer to him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Can we pray together? God of grace and God of glory, there are times, oh God, where it feels um, kind of easy to be open to your spirit. And there are other times, oh God, especially when we're licking our wounds, especially when we're struggling, especially when we're feeling a bit desperate and we're feeling a bit misunderstood and we're feeling a bit hurt and a bit wounded and maybe some shame works its way in there. And maybe some ego and arrogance works its way in there that we are not as open as we could be, oh God, to your Holy Spirit doing its work of redemption. And we pray, oh God, in this moment, in this moment, for epic fails that we've had, for epic fails that we are having, for epic fails that we will have, that as long as you're in the story, the story's not over. That as long as you're in the story, oh God, that which seems like a period is actually a comma. And that we have the opportunity, oh God, um, to approach uh, every epic fail that we encounter in our lives, that we're responsible for, or that we feel like we, we kind of, you know, caught the, the, the edge of because of what somebody else has done or, or didn't do. That we together, oh God, have the opportunity to be able to trust you enough to be able to not see those as our worst moments, but as moments of opportunity where your Holy Spirit is up to something big. And the question isn't, oh God, can you redeem it? The question is, will we let you redeem it in our hearts, in our lives, in our stories, in our marriages, in our um, like 
parenting, in our friendships. We let you, oh God, offer the gift of your redeeming work, your resurrection work in the power of our lives. And so, oh God, we long to trust you that much to know that that's what you've always been about and that we are certainly not perfect, but we are so grateful, oh God, for your perfect love. For it's in the strong and precious name of Christ we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.